What's up, gifted family? Welcome to another episode of the show that is the GP YouTube. Just a reminder that if you support what we do here, make sure to go over to giftedperformance.com and sign up for our automated coaching service. For only a dollar a day, you'll get access to 15 highly customized training programs, a macronutrient calculator, our meal planning feature that lets you build and save meals based on your macros, as well as access to our private Facebook group. All subscriptions help us in continuing to put out great content to get you to your fitness goals. Thanks for stopping by, and without any further delay, let's get into today's video. Enjoy. know what it is another episode of the athlete diaries a familiar face up top we've got cameron cheek and a very close friend of mine athlete client rachel pollard the one the only what's your instagram tag i can never read it it's so long what is In, it what is it incredibly rachy polls <laughs> okay well is that like because of work uh yeah like in incredible except incredible because i so thread. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is genius genius and i'm over here thinking that the squat father is funny and smart but it's not but rachel joins us to talk today about her contest prep season that is still going on the the prep season that never ends right the prep year really the prep year yeah we're probably <laughs> when did we officially start November, I think. November, yeah. So we are coming up on, oh God, too many months, too many give, months now. Convince yeah. them to continue dieting. I just well. drug them. I just for sure them. having to give them some meth. Like yeah, another just, week, I'll keep your rations coming. Like. That's, that's part of the application process. Drug of choice, and then to keep them going on prep, I just send them. That's that's part of the gifted performance thing. Personal mm -hmm. training, nutrition. Also drug cartel. But I do want to give Rachel a chance to introduce herself to the podcast. So, Rachel, tell me about yourself. What do you do for a living? What do you do for fun? Maybe give me a little bit of a, a history about your training background. Okay. Um, for a living, I well, I studied costume design in college, so I have a degree in costume design. I now work in wardrobe for theater. So when the show's so I help build the costumes, and then when the show's open, I dress the actors and do their quick changes backstage and then maintain the costumes during the shows. There's a little bit of, like, hair and wigs work thrown in there, but mostly costumes. Um, That's really cool. What's the hardest part about that job? Um, it's, it's a very people-person-y job, so you're dealing with difficult people occasionally can be the hardest part. But it's also my, my hours can be really strange and like if there's a show running I'm working nights and if there's no show running I'm working like a regular nine to five job so it's like not a super consistent schedule which can be challenging how is it dealing with the actors I imagine I in my mind that they're all curmudgeon-y and they think they're special no some of them think they're special but most of them are actually really great it's probably a lot like dealing with clients actually <laughs> Oh, yeah. Most of them are it's terrible. Probably not your <laughs> yeah. school theater people you're used to. These yeah. are probably yeah. people that have made it to real world and realize, like, hey, man. 
So what are what are some of the recent shows? Are there like big name shows that I would recognize? And by um, big name shows that I would recognize, I mean like uh, the Nutcracker and Cats and Rent. That's the extent of my knowledge. Um, no, not recently. The new job I just got, um, we they do like newer work, so it's smaller, more contemporary shows, and so nothing that you would have heard of yet. They do some musicals that may eventually go to Broadway. They're kind of like workshopped. So um, eventually you may know some of them, but not yet. When I was in middle school, I could sing in a really high voice and they put me in the play and they made me play a lady. Huh. I know. Do you have video of that? Uh, No. (sighs) I know where you're going with this. No. I bet, yeah, Cindy's probably got it. But no, we're not going back there. Okay, all right. They're on Facebook. (laughs) All right, let's talk training, though. So Rachel comes from a training background of? Well, so when I was a kid, I did gymnastics. Um, Just a special alert here. I don't want to interrupt you. If you got a kid and you're watching this, make them do gymnastics. Chances are that it will greatly improve their athletic capacity as they get older. Tasha does seem to be a trend. Tasha was one gymnast made some bomb (laughs) bodybuilders. Yeah, they do. Yeah. And then where'd you Uh, go? And then, so I got kind of out of competitive gymnastics pretty young, like I think in middle school, but I kept doing it kind of as a hobby. And then, um, I kept up through it uh, with it through high school Um, And then in high school, we got this, like, brand new weight room. So I started to, like, train, and I use that word very loosely, with um, some of my friends who were like, you can bench a lot. And I was like, cool. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I just kind of, like, I enjoyed that. And then then I did track in middle school. This is the the part I'm sure you understand. and then I got to high school and we had practice every day. And the first day of practice, we had to warm up with an 800 meter run and I threw up and I quit. And that's my track experience. <laughs> you made it one day and almost 800 meters. I made it oh. one day. Did you finish? Yeah. Did you finish the 800? I did. I finished them and then threw up and then was like, but there's a whole practice after this. That was the warm up. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, so running's been a struggle for me. And then after that, um, when I graduated high school, I was kind of looking for an outlet for gymnastics, which I was no longer doing. And I was, you know, gaining the freshman 15 like you do. And so I started working out regularly with some friends, but then, um, I found pole dancing, which was something that I had always kind of wanted to do. Um, I tried it with my sister. It became something I really, really, really enjoyed. Did a couple competitions there. Walk me through some pole dancing training. What does, like, what's the training process? Do you have, like, meets, like gymnastics? No, not really. What's the judging criteria? Just brief me on the world of competitive pole dancing, because I'm very interested. So... 
the the classes I was taking were not very competitive at all. They were kind of based in yoga and dance movement and sort of feeling whatever you want to feel. And then you do, you do pole tricks. And so there's some athletics and um, gymnastic ability that certainly helps you there. But then when you decide to do a competition, you kind of have to take on your training on your own. I mean, there are some choreographers you can work with. So there's um, choreography components, um, movement components like lines, things that you would see in gymnastics, like lines, shapes. Um, there's certain tricks like points of contact with the pole, um, equaling level of difficulty. So like the fewer points of contact with the pole, the more difficult a trick is in theory. And so you, you compete in levels based on how many points of contact are allowed. Um, and then the competitions, the, the judging is very subjective. I mean, at least when I was competing, it was still early enough on that the judging was really subjective. Um, and it sort of depended on the competition and who showed up and how many people were in your level and in your category. And um, But it you put a routine together, essentially, and then um, practice... For us, we practiced in groups because we were always competing. My studio, we always had a, a handful of people competing at the same time. So we would practice in groups with each other and then sort of critique and give feedback. Um, and that was most of our training and practice. Um, and then you show up. It's a one-day competition or like a weekend-long competition, usually in a hotel ballroom kind of thing. And then you compete solo as a team both um solo okay i think they eventually introduced a doubles because there are always two poles on the on whatever stage you're on there's usually a spinning and a static pole um and i think that they introduced a category for doubles but not at the time that i was competing so does it kind of work like gymnastics where you compete in a specific level, you're expected to do certain skills, and then you get deductions based off of kind of how you do on the skill, and then that's your score? Yes, except it's a little bit more artistic-based. So it's a little okay. bit more about um, song choice and choreography and less about, like, nailing a skill. Because okay. the skills aren't even as... Like, they don't even have the same names depending on who's teaching them and who you talk to and where you're learning them. So they're not as um, formulaic as a gymnastics competition. So it could look different for on each person doing, like, a, a layout on, is, a, like, a pole trick. So a layout for different people could look different. There's different leg wraps. There's different places you could put your arms and it doesn't matter as long as it's pretty for them I'm and you're not falling I'm yeah what's so what's like the limiting factor when you're doing um like skills on the pole is it like your arm endurance is it strength so when you miss a skill or something goes wrong what's what's the reason why you miss that skill um so for me it was always the limiting factor was always flexibility there's a lot of skills that you just can't do without, I mean, you have one vertical plane. So if you can't, you know, move up and down a vertical surface, you know, if you can't have both your legs you know, straddled on that one vertical surface, you just can't do that trick. Yeah. Um, but 
there's there is a lot of strength and for competition it is a lot of endurance because it's you know you get like three you're given three minutes or whatever but that's actually a long time to be moved to climb up and down and move around um yeah um but so so for some people it's strength it's upper body strength for some people it's the grip because the poles are slippery they're not necessarily tacky so I know so a lot of times and you don't really know what to expect with a competition either sometimes the temperature in the room makes the poles especially slidey or the person before you was especially sweaty and yeah so there's there's some throws some questions into the mix for sure for me I think my limiting factor would be like my chub rub on my thunder thighs as no they that interact actually helps with, at the what yeah, the more a sport like... where my chub rub helps. Cam, <laughs> tune in. Hey, this is our calling, man. We've been doing the wrong thing <laughs> for too long. The more skin contact, the better. Oh my! I sign me up. You know what? Bodybuilding, CrossFit, <laughs> all this stuff. I am I'm built for pole. These adductors, these ham hocks, were built for pole dancing. Probably. That is probably more pole dancing talk that we've ever had in a podcast and probably more than we'll ever have ever again. So, Rachel, thank you for introducing us to the world of pole dancing. You're um, welcome. Looks challenging. Sounds ch- I've never seen a competition, but, you know, I've been to some sketchy establishments before. I you assume should have a- Judy oh. show you some of her videos because they're okay. really... Oh. She was... She... Uh, she very nearly qualified for nationals, or maybe she did. She did go to nationals. Nationals. Yeah. What, what do you do if What do you do if you win nationals? You're just the national champ. Do you uh-huh. go to the pro leagues? Are there no, pro leagues? There's not pro. Well, not yet. I don't think. It's like there's different organizations that run these competitions. So none there's not one single organization and that's part of the problem with com- competition. So she went to nationals for this one organization. And so in order to do that you have to qualify top 3 in a regional competition. Okay. Which she did. But yeah, definitely show have her show you some videos. Actually, you can probably find them on YouTube too, because they were still on YouTube last I checked. And we'll we'll have her. We'll have her when she's on the podcast. We'll have her. We'll have her talk all about her her history. Yeah. All right. Let's move from pole dancing. Let's talk CrossFit. Some okay. poles, some bars, and that as well. Let's mm-hmm. talk about your CrossFit training history. So, how many years did you do it? What kind of what were your specialties? What were your weaknesses? All that okay. kind of stuff. Um, I started CrossFit. I guess I had done it. I guess I've been doing CrossFit for about three or four years now. Um, my specialties were running and air biking. No, um, <laughs> 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 no, my specialties were actually more on the gymnastics side, the handstand push-ups, pull-ups, things like that. I really enjoyed those. Um, can you handstand walk? I can, not very far. I'm like five yards at a time kind of okay. at this point. Cam, can you handstand walk? Uh, don't know if you never tried, so. <laughs> so it might be yes. Can you do a handstand? Can you do a handstand push-up? You ever done tried one before? Uh, yeah, last time I tried, I could. Okay. I think the hardest part is just getting up, like, without trying to put a hole in the wall. Like, I for sure can't, like, just yep. do a handstand with no support, but. You're pretty good, can't or Rachel. You're pretty good with barbell work too. You've got a really good snatch and clean and jerk, right? 
Mm, snatch, not so much. Clean and jerk is actually okay. What's your I best spent snatch? One twenty-five, I think. That's good. That's like that's like fifty-five kilos for someone who would. That's like a body weight snatch for you. But for, compared to my clean and jerk, which is one sixty-five. Yeah, that's that's a good clean and jerk. Significant, yeah. significantly different. So when Rachel came to me with all of this, because CrossFit is very shouldery, a lot of shoulders in it. So mm -hmm. as you can probably tell, as she kind of just sits there with her massive delts popping out. When <laughs> Rachel came to me, she was she was had no shortage of deltoids, but kind of transitioning over to bodybuilding, where did you feel like your weak muscle groups were? Where did you feel like as a, a as someone who was getting into figure, maybe you were a little bit behind some of the competition? Definitely hamstrings and glutes. Cause I feel like even CrossFit, I feel like I'm always been kind of quad dominant anyway. So even in CrossFit, all those movements that are just, I mean, my quads took over cause you're not really focusing on any specific muscle group necessarily yeah yeah so we did ghds until yep. rachel bled out of her eyes lots of rdls lots of good mornings all that kind of fun stuff cam mm -hmm. what are your go-to exercises for someone who is a little bit uh lacking in the posterior chain they don't have a plethora of posterior uh, you know, I think any straight leg deadlift or RDLs do really well, especially to a certain extent. Um, when you start bringing males that are on drugs into it, lower back pumps can be a big issue too. Um, but I really like, um, weighted hyperextensions and any really kind of hip hinge that has a positive and negative tempo to it. I feel like forces that athlete to really learn like cool hip drive, glute glute contraction everything there um i think they're movements that definitely can be tricky and can start incorporating the incorrect body part that we're trying to work with but hip hinge movements are the move rachel how would you say that your glutes and hamstrings have responded to the bodybuilding training I feel like they responded very quickly. Um, it took a while for me to start, I guess, feeling like I was able to isolate them. Um, because I also, I felt like initially, and this was always my problem, even just deadlifting, I feel things in my lower back, like my back takes over very quickly. Um, but once I was sort of over that hump, now I feel like they're responding very quickly. Are you setting booty booty size PRs? You think all time? Mm -hmm. I think so. As far That's as muscle, like to see. yeah, yeah, right on, perfect. Um, I had something that I was going to ask you, but it has slipped my mind. Oh, Cam was talking um, enhancements, so performance enhancing drugs. So Rachel is an all natural competitor, but Rachel has some experience with some drugs and it was on her application form and it scared the living bejesus out of me so let's go to kind of where we met your application and talk through kind of your experience with uh gi tract cancer i believe mm -hmm. yeah so walk yeah. me through that okay so essentially i had been highly anemic for years and my doctors had assumed that it was a GI tract bleed somewhere, but they couldn't find it. I had done a bunch of colonoscopies and endoscopies and scans, which are super fun. 
And, um, and then it wasn't until actually Judy was, so she was a nurse in the endoscopy unit for when I met her and she recommended this doctor for me. And she was like, he's the guy, he's going to find this, like whatever it is, you can't ignore it. He's going to find it. And when I say highly anemic, I mean, like I was getting iron and IV iron infusions every couple of weeks. And then my my levels would just drop and I would need a blood transfusion. And they were like, where's all that blood going? Um, so then this, so I had another colonoscopy and endoscopy and they found a tumor in my small intestine that was sitting like right at the base of my stomach between my liver and pancreas. So they did a Whipple to take it out. It was about seven centimeters, which is a big tumor, but it was a very slow growing tumor. Um, so they took out the whole first part of my small intestine and 30% of my pancreas. And then they rerouted all the liver and bile ducts and pulled up my small intestine and reattached it to my stomach. That's, that's quite the surgery. What was the recovery time like for that? So they said, well, so I was in the ICU for two days after and then I was in the hospital for about seven days after. And then I went home and got a fever and then was back in the hospital for like another week after that. So probably about two weeks total in the hospital. And then they said six weeks before I could start driving and lifting light weights again. But it, it ended up taking a lot longer than that to really be able to move around like normal again. Um, but the hardest part was learning to eat again, actually, to digest food again, because I had new liver and bile ducts and um, no gallbladder either. So that was affecting my digestion of bats. Yeah. So anyone with gallbladder issues or bile issues, you have to really keep that fat intake very low because you just don't have any way to kind of digest and absorb that. Have you had any run-ins since then where maybe it was accidental where you kind of ate a bunch of fat in one meal, like anything like that? Oh yeah. I had a and lot what's, of those what is that? What is that like? How does that feel? <laughs> well, it, I, I, I got nauseous after almost every meal for the first few months after that. Cert. It, it's like having your stomach stapled or something, I'm told, yeah. um, where like you're, you're, you just can't eat as much as you once could. So I got nauseous for a long time afterwards. And then almost any time I went out to, to a restaurant and I didn't know what they were cooking my food and I got sick after that. But hamburgers were something that I couldn't eat for so oh, yeah. long. Because I would think, oh, I'm just going to have half this burger and like a couple of fries and I would nah. grow up. Nah. It was, it just Ain't did not us. work. Nope. Yes. So how, how long ago was that? How old were you when you were going through this? I was 25. So okay. it'll be, it'll be four years this summer. Okay. And now what's kind of the treatment going forward? You are on some low dose pharmaceuticals, right? Yeah. So they, they took out the entire tumor so but they wanted to put me on an oral chemotherapy just to confirm they don't really it's it's a very new drug and they don't really know it's new for the treatment of cancer I should say so they don't really know if it actually kills cancer cells or if it just slows growth of them but either way their studies show that being on 
this oral chemo for three years improves the outlook. Okay. So, and then with a lot of chemotherapy drugs, you run into pretty nasty side effects. Since this one is new and kind of low dose, have you run into anything like that? Yes. Well, so, so one of the major side effects is that it, it leaches pigment from your skin, but oh. I was already so fair that it doesn't really make that big of a difference. I take that. <laughs> I got no, I got no pigment for you. I have an identical twin sister. So if you compare our skin tones, you can see it, but it's not okay. that significant. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I do like to throw that in people's faces when they call me pale. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm on drugs and I can't help it. Like, yeah, that's actually the key. You're the so. asshole. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah. in terms of that drug, there's none of like the super intense side effects like chronic nausea, muscle wasting, anything like that. Well, nausea, yes, could be a side effect of it. Yeah. Um, which when I first started it, I had no way of really knowing if that was what was causing my nausea or, or if it was the food I was eating. So it didn't really matter. Um, swelling under the eyes was a weird side effect and uh, fluid retention, oh, ankles, hands, good. feet. Yeah. Um, and then um, muscle cramping is a big side effect, which okay. I've always had. That hasn't changed. I don't, it got, it got, it's definitely gotten worse since I've been on the chemo. Like my hands cramp all the time. That makes sense. Got, yeah. Your body's, your body is pooling fluid in the extracellular space outside of the cell, not intracellularly. So your the cell itself probably isn't getting the level of hydration that it would expect. Thus cramping. Mm -hmm. Has PrEP made that cramping any worse? It's made it. Yes. It, well, it's, it's brought it to new places in my body. Instead of just my hands and feet cramping, my hamstrings cramp all the time and my quads twitch all the time. <laughs> oh, that's no fun. Yeah. Cam, did you get anything like that at the end of prep where you would get real bad cramping? Mine was always my calves. My calves would cramp up or I would get hamstring mm -hmm. too. Have you gotten an ab cramp yet? Dude. Okay. So, so the ab cramp, I have I have a scar where like one of the drains was from my surgery yeah. and that muscle right behind that drain has cramped ever since. Oh, it's so terrible. It's Cam, really Cam, have terrible. Have you had that the ab cramp? Dude, I don't know if Paul told you, but like I, I cramping is something that is really, really bad for me. Like, especially when dieting and when cleanse involved and stuff, I don't know what it oh, is, yeah. but back when I played football in high school, my mom cramps really, really bad, too. Like, I had to get IVs during halftimes in some games. And I don't know if I have, like, a potassium deficiency or what. But, yeah, I've gotten, um, like, my neck where, like, I get locked up here. Like, my hands will look like this. I've yeah. got are, you a are you a heavy sweater? Do you sweat a lot? Not really. Not really? That's I mean, I did back when you? I was a big boy, but... Okay. Uh, I think during prep, I started taking uh, taurine and potassium, and I was fine. But if I didn't take that, I was screwed. Like, yeah. oblique cramps to the point where, like, I couldn't pose. I would just have to be sitting here like this, like, trying not to breathe. But I had a time after a two-a-day where I almost went to the ER because I was on the couch from, I think, 10 p.m. till 3 a.m., like, in full body, like, convulsions and cramps. Like, I remember being... 
15 or 16 years old and like never cussed in front of my parents and i was just letting it go that night i remember my dad being like suck it up and i like took a gatorade bottle and just chucked <laughs> it at the wall it was like exploded blue gatorade everywhere because i was in so much pain like my quad would be locked up and so i'd go and try and you know stretch it out and then my hamstring would lock up and i'd just be in this in between weird like okay now i'm relaxed i'm fine don't move anything and like I would slightly move something and I'd just be like, oh no, here it comes, here it comes. And then everything would just start going again. I, I don't know what it is about Clem. Rachel, you're lucky you're on the natural side. You don't do any of the, the, the Clem butyl or anything like that. But like one of the first times I took Clem, I was I was on like a I was training leg press to failure that day. So I failed and I kind of got stuck at the bottom and I went to push my legs off myself and both of my pecs cramped and I was stuck in this position right here stuck under the leg press so I'm getting pinned by the leg press and my chest is cramped and I'm in this position right here it's just playing it off trying to act cool but yeah I can imagine that uh yeah. that full night of cramping was was something else I thought you were gonna say you threw your Gatorade bottle at your dad I thought so too yeah Throw it at your dad next time. Dad, you don't know me. You don't know what I'm going through, man. You don't know my struggles. All right, so talking about some prep struggles, some of the things that come with prep, let's let's talk about your prep season so far, Rachel. So okay. with Rachel has been, and Judy as well, and we'll talk about this when she comes on, but Rachel has been particularly, everyone bitching and moaning about their shows getting canceled. You, got, you ain't got shit on Rachel because we had one show, and then we had a plan B. And then I think, what, what plan are we on now? So we're just, on plan... just, I'll, let, I'll let you go. Well, so we had, I, re I looked back at my notes yesterday. We had, so April 4th was the initial plan, which that one was devastating because we were, what, three weeks out at that point? Three weeks out, yeah. And just to, and we'll flash some pictures up on the screen, but Rachel was beyond ready. She was ready on top of being ready. She would have been <laughs> by far the most conditioned figure girl on stage, bar none. Wow. Yeah, that's rough. Um, and then we we talked briefly about um, an April 23rd or like a couple more weeks in April, but I think we glossed over that pretty quickly once we realized we weren't going to do an April show. And yeah. then we had a May 9th date. May and 9th. then we talked about June 6th. But June 6th was the one we like had settled on. And then, I guess, as soon as we started re-prepping, found out that that one was going to be moved to July 4th. So now, July 4th is the goal. July 4th. We're headed for July 4th. The independence from Corona and the independence from prep, where you'll finally be set free. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so kind of going into that April 4th show, walk me through through kind of what we were planning, where we were at in our plan, what our what our current process was at that point from your end. Um so what we were three weeks out, I was I was ready. So we were starting we were starting to reverse diet, fill back up. It felt really good. And then we didn't get very far. I think we only got a week into that. I think so, yeah. Um and then so, th so that was what I was really excited for. That was the part of the process that I was like, woohoo, this is the easy part. Yeah. And then we didn't get there. Yeah. So we, I think we, we were one week into it. I think we had increased your food by something like five or 10%, I, I want to say. 
Mm-hmm. It was somewhere around that point. It was you had gotten as low, I think, as like thirteen hundred calories on average, somewhere around that point. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, and then she was doing a good amount of steps as well. She was really active with her job, really active, kind of walking around the gym with Judy, as I saw on your Instagram story <laughs> that one day. So, yep. a good amount of activity. Um, just really dropped fast at the end and sent me pictures one day. I remember I was sitting at first watch, um, having breakfast, and I was like, oh, God damn, Rachel is ready. And that day we were like, all right, let's start this reverse. So, going through the reverse things are filling out looking really good we had a weight that we wanted to hit we were right on pace to hit that weight for stage and then corona hits and then mm-hmm. we're into full-on diet break mode so walk me through what that diet break looked like on your end um uh well that the night we found out the competition was canceled um i think that no, I know. I ordered a, mar- a pizza and had some salad, so there was some healthy food in there, too. Yeah, um, Ordered out. Cheesecake Factory. You nice. said you said something like start slow, and you gave me, like, I think 1,700 calories or something, and I was like, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> One piece of cheesecake from Cheesecake, cheesecake Factory is 1,700 <laughs> calories. Yeah. So I think we, so I did pizza and cheesecake and I think about three margaritas that night. What if your stomach feel like the next day? 3,000 calories. I mean, so I felt really good. I was like, I have no regrets. I've never (laughs) felt this good. And then I woke up in the middle of the night and threw up. (laughs) Sounds about right. Yeah. But I I was surprised I made it that far. Like I made it like six hours being like, this is the best. (laughs) okay so we had cheesecake we had a burger or we had pizza we had a salad to cancel it all out Mm -hmm. there was burrata in the salad though so it was like okay i mean you could have just left that out and everyone would have thought that you were being (laughs) healthy what is that you don't know what burrata is explain it to this uncultured swine it's like fresh mozzarella with like oozy mozzarella on the inside i don't it's cheese it's really good cheese So Rachel just bombarded herself with dietary fat, had six hours where she was the Incredible Hulk. She went from Bruce Banner to the Incredible Hulk, and then she shrank back down in size in the middle of the night and was violently (laughs) vomiting. So moving forward from that night, then what did we do from there? So I said 1,700 calories. You were like, that ain't happening. what What was our compromise? Our compromise was just eat 2,000 calories a day. Make sure you get your protein in. And then um, you don't worry about fats and carbs. Yeah, so we knew we had time and we really didn't quite know how much time we had. So, and I'm sure it drove you absolutely insane that our plan pretty much was just week by week. Let's just wait until we get more information. At this point, um, there weren't the like task force briefings every day. We weren't getting a lot of information. So we were kind of just guessing on a day-by-day basis when everything was going to pop back up. So how long did the diet break end up lasting for? I think it was five weeks. So a solid five weeks, yeah. Yeah. So we went went back. We went up to 2,000 calories. There were probably some days where you were a little over, probably some days where you were a little under. We were kind of on the training side of things. You were locked out of the gym, but you were able to, you know, grab some kettlebells, grab some dumbbells. So, I mean, I think our, our training has been pretty progressive or pretty 
structured and well done since then. I don't think you really yeah. missed a beat compared to most. No, I think I was, I mean, the training was the part I was able to stay really consistent with. The food was the part that fell off. I mean, yeah. that was, that was hard during that diet break because it was a little bit of like the emotional, uh, For sure. you know, coming out of, or the disappointment of not making it to that date, first of all, and then feeling like, well, we don't even know if this is going to happen or when. So it was a little bit on the emotional side. And then it was also like, I'm so hungry and I forgot what it feels like to feed that. Yeah. And I, I know that I've had windows post show where in two or three weeks I've put on 20 pounds. I know Cam had a similar experience post show that that hyperphagia, that uncontrollable hunger where you're mm -hmm. eating and you feel full, but you're like, I physically cannot stop myself. I yeah. absolutely cannot stop eating. Survival, and that so. can be something. Yeah. And, and some people, and maybe you can speak to this, Rachel, but some people think that they can out train that they can just do an amount of training that makes up for that is do you think that's possible? Cam okay, already laughing. I know. I don't even know what that would mean. Not not yeah, a bodybuilder. I, you better go no. do some Ironmans. Like, yeah. <laughs> you better be running oh, like, five like miles train a day. train the number of calories you're eating? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, no way. I, I, hate, I hate so much, like, all these bodybuilders around, like, Thanksgiving and holidays where they'll be like, oh, about to put all this good food to use. I'm like, man, you're not, but just enjoy the holiday. Like you don't have to make it about bodybuilding. Like, because it's not like you're going for, it's not like you're craving plain chicken and vegetables. Like you're going for, I was dipping cookies in peanut butter. Like you're going for the most calorically dense things oh, you can possibly do. Make sure to take do. your GDAs with it. So you'll show yeah. carbs the right, like, and, uh, and I, and I, so, I kind of had a cut because I've had a couple coming out of show experiences dealing with this, even when so I tried to take what Rachel said as an approach like, you know what, I'm just gonna, you know, keep my foods quote unquote clean, I'm gonna eat my chicken and my vegetables and my oatmeal. And I still I still couldn't keep up with the amount of calories that I was putting in because not only are you craving like calorie dense foods, like really tasty foods, you're craving like just a large volume of food, you just want food and you want all of it. Mm -hmm. And until you've kind of experienced that, people from the outside, and I've heard this before, well, just control it. Just just stop eating. Just yeah. just don't do it. It's like this for people who have been inside of the situation, that's that physically is or psychologically that's not even an option. Right. It was almost like the hunger was worse at that point. Like yeah. I thought I thought about food a lot when I was dieting. I thought about food way more when I could eat more food. Yeah. And then you combine that with like the psychological letdown of not having the show, not knowing when there was going to be a show. And I think what was your lowest weigh in? I think you were like, what? 115. Yeah. yeah one, so like like 115, high 115. Yeah. 115, 116. And then after kind of, you know, getting the big food on the front end and then kind of diet breaking for five weeks, I think you were what, 126, 127 at the end of that? I think it got a little higher. I think we got more to like 128. Okay. Yeah. So 128. So this, and then what was your starting weight for prep? Like 127. Start. What oh, did no, you no, start no. Oh, at? Early, oh, the first prep. Um, yeah. 138. Okay. All right. So, yeah. So Rachel went, we started at 138, probably lost somewhere around like 20 pounds of, of, of body fat, and then kind of came back up. Um, 
And then since we've kind of, and now we can kind of get back into restarting prep now. So we went through that four or five week diet break, and now we're kind of revving back up for that 4th of July show. Um, where are we at right now? How many weeks out are we at? What do the macros look like? What does training look like? And, and kind of how do, how do you feel transitioning back into dieting? Um, so we are uh, about eight weeks out now. Um, I was actually really relieved to start dieting again um, because I had felt so out of control with the way I was eating before. Um, so I was actually, and I was getting to the point where I was kind of sick of food again. So I was kind of excited to start dieting again. Yeah. Um, and it's been a totally different experience this time around. Um, partially because it's a different mind game, knowing that there's a chance that the show is going to get canceled. So I have to sort of refocus my goals and find goals within the process and like really try and focus on enjoying the process and not really focus on what it's going to feel like to get on stage as much. And, um, but the dieting itself, um, was kind of easy to fall back into, uh, once I got all the food out of my house. (laughs) (laughs) Do you, do you live with roommates? I live with my sister. Okay. And is sister, is sister dieting for a bodybuilding show? She's not, but she, she is actually still working because she's a teacher. Okay. So she is, she's regimented enough with her food. Like she eats at normal mealtimes. She doesn't like snack really. And Mm -hmm. so it hasn't been, she, she was actually more influenced by me when I was like, do you want to order a pizza tonight? <laughs> and she was like, I hate this. You're the Don't bad influence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So we did kind of talk about the hardest part of prep. It was that not knowing that moving from one show date to the next. What would you say has been the easiest part so far? Um, I would say the training has actually been the easiest part. Um, I've found that I thought it would be harder to adapt to training at home too. And it's really not, I kind of enjoy it and I kind of enjoy having the flexibility in my schedule to get it in whenever I want to. And, um, I actually feel like in a lot of ways I'm getting more benefit now from the training. Maybe that's because I had that diet break and I was able to, you know, increase calories and stuff. But, um, but I think that the training has actually been the easiest part. I find it easiest to push myself there. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think because I think that you are always someone that has enjoyed the training. So whether it was gymnastics training, I'm sure you really enjoyed that. You transitioned over to we won't talk about cross country or track. Um, <laughs> transitioned over to kind of the, the pole dancing and the CrossFit style, and you've always enjoyed the training. And and what mm-hmm. I found is that the people who really do enjoy the training like that, they, they don't really struggle with that part of bodybuilding. Going to the gym right. every day is, is fun. It's cathartic for you. It's what you, it's what you yeah. really, what you live for. I actually struggle more. I'm finding with the, with the diet on the days that I don't train because like there's something, I guess uh, there's something mental about training and it almost reminds me of what I'm doing. Whereas yeah. if it's an off day and I don't go to the gym and I don't do anything, I'm kind of like, why am I so hungry and what am I doing with my time? You have those idle <laughs> hands, those yes. are hungry hands. They are. So yes. what What exactly are you looking forward to July, we'll say July 5th. 
So July mm-hmm. 5th rolls around. What are you most looking forward to? Um, tequila. <gasps> oh, okay. No, I'm actually... taking shots of tequila, Cam. You've missed a lot. <laughs> I'm back, man. Ava got into the artificial plant downstairs, and now oh, there's no. artificial grass Uh-oh. everywhere. Oh, Ava, come on. She's in the crate. You gotta whip that girl into shape. You gotta take her to doggy training camp. I'm All right, Cam, it, we're talking about what is Rachel her. going to enjoy the most on July 5th? She said she's gonna wake up at 7 a.m. and start the day with tequila shots. Did I hear yes. that right? Yes. Okay, perfect. No, I'm really, I'm really excited to enjoy my summer. I'm really excited to like, um, like go on a vacation and feel like I can eat freely on vacation. And I don't know. I mean, I'm hoping this is happening anyway because there's a lot of things that Corona may keep us from. Yeah. Anyway, which, which, so some days I can remind myself that in some day, in some ways that makes prep easier this time around because I'm not. The social part was really hard the first time around. Being invited out for a drink and having to be like, okay, but I'll get club soda. Or, you know, opening night parties at work when I couldn't, you know, pick at the food tables or, or have drinks and things like that. It, that was the hard part the first time around. This time, that is not the hard part because there is no more none so- of that. Social life has been canceled. Yeah. You put a big time out on social life. Right. You talked about... You talked about just like getting into parts of the process and, you know, building up the habits that it takes to be a successful bodybuilder in prep. Do you see a lot of those habits kind of carrying with you as you kind of transition out of contest prep? Or are you kind of more looking forward to just complete return to Rachel Pollard before she ever knew what a bodybuilding prep was? No, I think a lot of the habits will stick with me. I think I'll, I'll definitely keep a closer eye on my food. I mean, I was sort of loosely tracking macros before I I understood it and had done it before, but, but I think that I'll probably want to continue with that because I feel like it'll help me with my goals of like, if I want to build muscle, like it's, there are things that I need to know how to keep my eye on and I'll want to keep my eye on them. Um, and then, and then I, I liked being regimented in when I went to the gym and, and what kinds of training I did at the gym. So I'll, I'll definitely keep some of those habits in my life as well. Also, cool. I started to enjoy cooking a little bit more and preparing meals more, which surprised me. So I, I, those, that, that, that won't go away. And you learn, you learn how to make macro-friendly meals super, super tasty. Yeah. Yeah. And then you show your family and they love you for it and it's. It's all good yeah. from there. What are like you I've been say, cooking Cam? for my sister now. I said, because I think you have a lot of athletes that have done like powerlifting or CrossFit. Like most of mine are more young and like started with bodybuilding, you know, and you've taken some that have done something else with, you know, some kind of more weightlifting specific sport and then put them in bodybuilding. And it's funny because you're like, you know, what will you take away from it? And every time it's like, oh, just being better about nutrition, like learning how like with meals and stuff i'm like nah you're, you're gonna learn from it like a year from now dang i'm a fat kid forever now i'm always <laughs> fat kid i dieted for a for a bodybuilding show oh, i'm a fat kid at heart forever but yeah talking about some of the other stuff that you've done 
Um, our final question here, where do you see yourself going next? Are we going to see Rachel pursue a long career as a figure competitor? Are we going to see you go back to CrossFit, maybe go back to pole dancing, take Judy's national championship away from her and pole <laughs> dancing? Or will it kind of be a mixture of both or of, of everything? Because you've kind of got a large range and you seem like pretty much equally passionate about a lot of things. What kind yeah. of what's What's the biggest thing you're passionate about now or what do you see yourself pursuing going forward? I I I definitely want to go back to CrossFit. I definitely want to keep that part of my life, but I I do see myself potentially doing another competition afterwards. Um you know, after some time off and some time to build and things like that, yeah. but Yeah. Yeah. I could see I I see uh, weirdly right now I see myself going more towards another bodybuilding competition and continuing with that. But I don't know because I don't actually know if I'm going to enjoy the show itself. I, I don't know what that experience is actually like. So we'll yeah. see. So we're we're going to have to sit down and have a little phone call slash Skype call afterward and be like, well, how was it? Did you actually have fun? Yeah. It'd be fun to, to get a few of the first time competitors in here. And like us throw a question out and then it really just turns into them running the show and throwing yeah. up. Players. Well, I mean, I've competed once too, but yeah, them, them talking about the experience because it's going to be a whole lot of, it's not what you think it is. See, you're up there. Mm-hmm. Got to be in that convo. It's, it's really not that gay as it seems, guys. <laughs> I, I the first time I got out there, I thought that I would be like insanely nervous. I thought my heart would be pounding. I wouldn't be able to see anything. Like just basically black out out there. But man, it's it's almost impossible to explain. Just like getting prejudging done, knowing all the points have been tabulated. Like you're good. You're done. You go back to your hotel room or wherever you're hanging. You just kind of hang out and spend the day. Just just chilling. Rachel, how do you feel about being the center of attention? Are you someone that likes kind of all that attention or are you someone that doesn't really prefer that? Um, I, I don't, I, I don't prefer it in front of large groups. I would, um, I, I definitely have some stage fright. Um, but I don't, I don't, I would not call myself the center of attention. No, I don't think I like that. I could see that about you. Judy though. Now Judy center of attention, right? Call her out. Let her know. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, because she has moments where she, she appreciates that, but I wouldn't say that it's like a general quality of hers. I think you guys you guys are a good little match. I think she's kind of like the, the louder, more out outgoing one. I, I see you as more of the quiet one. Am I, am I doing a good job? Yeah, I would say that's pretty accurate. Awesome. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, that wraps us up today. Rachel, where can the people find you for all of their delt motivation or should I say quitspiration needs? Um, <laughs> and maybe they maybe they hit you up for a costume. Yeah, I am making my own. Uh, well, I'm rhinestoning my own bikini. Ooh. Yeah. Where can they find you? So they can find me on Instagram, Incredibly Rachie, P-O-L-L, Paul, like the first part of my last name. Follow me. <laughs> What? What? I said, do you follow me? Cam's I think so. just fishing for followers. Yeah. Cam, we're trying to record a we're podcast. Really Stop trying to get your follower count up. Hey, just man. pay for some more followers and be quiet. Cam, where can they find you? Actually, don't follow Cam. It's at Cameron underscore cheek, but don't follow him. He's got another.
You can use the swipe up feature and all that. Come give your follows to me at the underscore squat father or at gifted performance on Instagram. Follow Rachel. You I'm going to be hitting up Rachel need to lay off if, the crack cocaine. If don't tell me how my life. If you see these eyes. These are the eyes of a meth addict. Um, <laughs> Tiger King. Um, I'm going to hit you up on Halloween because I'm growing out the middle part. I'm going to go middle part. I'm going to dye it purple, and I need you to make me a Dragon Ball Z outfit. Can we? Can I schedule for that? Sure. Perfect. All right. You heard it here first. Get all your cosplay needs at the incredible <laughs> Rachie Pole. I am the underscore squad father. This has been the Gifted Performance Athlete Diaries. Thanks for stopping by. Like, comment, subscribe, and as always, stay gifted. Meow.